the needle on the record. Welcome to Wage Cucking with JMO. Welcome back to Wage Cucking with JMO, everyone. Uh, so after many requests about this, um, this will be the 2024 prediction episode uh, where we'll we'll get the thoughts of the of Andreas and JMO on what's going on, potentially going on this year. Um, but how are you guys? How's 2024 shaping up so far? Uh, not too bad. Uh, happy New Year. Um, yeah, I've been nursing a hangover for the past few days. Um, <laughs> I'm almost back. I think I'm at like 80 percent. Um, but <laughs> feeling all right, ready to go. I uh, yeah, happy New Year. I don't want to dox you, JMO, but uh, I was talking to you and you said something about like a very calm New Year's celebration. Uh, yeah, that did not happen. <laughs> 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 that confirmed did not happen. <laughs> Excellent. So do we, do we, um, should we do some, uh, some holiday break news first? Or do we jump uh, right into it? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we've had some pretty interesting events happen in the past uh, 24 hours. Um, oh, yeah. The, the market took a massive dump um, and mm. has since like recovered a decent portion of it. Um, but yeah, th that was pretty interesting. It, mm. it, I don't know if this is true or not, but um, the rumor is, is it stemmed from a matrix port, like a, a matrix port researcher or intern saying that the ETFs would be declined in January. Uh, oh, yeah. I, uh, um, I actually, I, I think I have more on than you on that. <clears throat> so it's um, from what I understand, it's uh, let's find his name. It is Jihan Wu. No. So uh, matrix port is Jihan Wu's. Uh, is it a fund? Is it an OTC desk? I don't know, but it's like some kind of a, uh, some kind of entity of Jihan Wu. And uh, let's see, the analyst that wrote it is based in Singapore and is also no longer with Matrixport. So <laughs> my friend says, maybe not the highest signal person. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to dox whoever said that to me, but uh, thank you for that. So, and I'm, I'm also in it. I believe I'm in a telegram with this person, <laughs> uh, with, with this Matrixport guy, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm not sure. So... Anyway, so uh, I think they released a, uh, a memo or report was released by this guy from, from formerly Matrix Port, mm -hmm. where the headline is just like, all ETFs will be rejected, is my opinion. Yeah. And of course, uh, as is normal, everybody just reprints that, but they remove mm -hmm. the says random dude on the internet part, and yeah. they just print it as fact. So I'll, uh, well, Jamo, you know the reaction better than me. Yeah, it, it get it got aggregated pretty quickly. Um, I don't know the credibility of the source. Um, I, I read through the article. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know. I'm also not even sure. Like, if you look at the timing, it's it it seemed like uh, the news had come out directly from Matrix Support like a few hours before, maybe like a like a market purge of you know, like minus 10%. Um, so I don't even know if that was like the exact catalyst, although I couldn't find any other major catalyst. Um, I, I think the main thing to note though is people were like massively over leveraged long. 
Um, if you look at the funding rates for like Bitcoin, Ethereum, like a, a ton of other assets, essentially people were um, marging, mar margin long on, on perps paying like insane funding uh, at the point where they, they were like pretty over leveraged. So like even a small market move down would cause uh, cascading liquidations, which I think is what we saw. So, I mean, th this has played out quite a bit in the past where like the market dumps, let's say like like five to 10% and like within maybe an hour or so, and then has like a 50 to like 80% recovery um, mm. because like the, the, those assets end up getting bought up. Um, the, the funding rates seem to have reset mm. on almost every single exchange. So, so now it's, a, a bit more lucrative or a, a bit more favorable for people that mm. like are looking to long assets right now that are yeah. that didn't want to pay the previous funding rates um mm. but yeah it, it just shows like uh i feel like m maybe this was in theory like a two percent downward spot move that got like cascaded to like a 10 percent move because just people mm. were massively over leveraged what um <clears throat> Yeah, I did look at the funding rate on, on Binance's reset. It's like, I don't know if 0.01 is the lowest it ever gets per the eighth mm -hmm. hour. But um, yeah. Um, yeah, because you've been pub pretty public in the last like few months. Everybody's asking like, are you long yet? Have mm -hmm. you been waiting for funding or is it just like too shaky? Yeah, I I think just as a general rule, um, especially so, so like a uh, 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 a large funding rate um, for, for being long um, sort of equates to a crowded trade as well. So, so not only are you um, are, are you paying like really really high fees to long, where it's like much cheaper, although you don't get like the same upside, but it's much cheaper just to like buy it and hold spot. Hmm. Um, you, you're also in the same trade with like a majority of the people because like like a funding uh, funding skewed one way means like one side of the trade is like super crowded. So just mm -hmm. like as, as a general rule of thumb, I think it's like not the best idea to to be late to a trade that's like very crowded and, and very expensive to do, e even if there is some upside. Do you have a, do you have, um, if we, if we take a, I mean, the major exchange actually, do you have like a certain number that you would say on, on say Bitcoin or Ethereum where the trade feels very crowded? Because uh, I think, I mean, 24 hours ago, it was probably, I would have said 25% per year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the Bitcoin funding a few days ago was like a, almost upwards of um, 100% a year. Okay. Uh, which is just pretty crazy. Um, yeah. For, for like the larger cap assets, I feel like the risk reward is a lot lower just because um, if, if you're longing something with like a lower market cap that has like less liquidity, um, I think that makes a little bit more sense to be paying funding if you have high conviction on um, it going up just because like, if, for, uh, for example, you, you, you're paying like a, assuming like 100% on Bitcoin. It's very unlikely that that Bitcoin doubles in price within a short <laughs> period of time, right? I mean, it's oh. just like historically speaking, that has like very, very rarely mm. happened. But but if you look at like assets, let's say outside the top 20 in market cap, those can fluctuate upwards like um, quite a bit to like two, three, four hundred percent possibly uh, within, within a shorter time frame. So the, the upside, if you believe in them, is a bit more in those. Um, for Bitcoin and Ethereum, like I, I think I would avoid paying, I, I don't have an exact number, but I, I would avoid paying like um, 
almost any funding um, to, to long those assets and rather just take a more conservative approach. And uh, especially since there are like good DeFi options and stuff like that, um, it makes more sense to me for a lot of people to, to just like dollar cost average in the spot and then use those spot holdings um, to, to see return as uh, yield bearing assets on chain. And you're still you still have the speculation of the upside by holding those spot assets. Mm, but um, but I guess for uh, for Ether and and Bitcoin, there's not many yield opportunities. There hasn't been for the last long while, right? Yeah, uh, Bitcoin is um, a little bit dead. Uh, I, I feel like we'll we'll get to this in the uh, 2024 predictions. But um, one of my predictions is that like uh, decentralized finance on Bitcoin takes off a bit and, and gets like a decent. A portion of the market share so i think eventually that there'll be like at least reasonable options for um seeing return on native bitcoin um ethereum like your best and safest bet is some sort of like liquid staking um i i think like the staking rewards are like somewhere around like oh, yeah. three to five percent right now um which or seven percent if you're smart <laughs> or seven percent if, if if you're smart and, and you look at the right and the the right protocols um, but the, the, that's still quite good considering if, if you're bullish on the asset itself, like if, if you think that like the asset is going to go up quite a bit, um, it, it's much more reasonable for you to, instead of like paying a large amount of funding in, in order to leverage your long position um, to, to buy a spot and then to put your spot holdings into something like this, where you think like the, the, the value of the um, the, the value of the token will go up and you see rewards on the back end. And, um, and I guess on, on, on DeFi, you could, you could also leverage long by borrowing stables with collateral in, in Bitcoin or Ether. Yeah. And, um, and, and it would be cheaper than the funding on the perps. In theory, it would be uh, cheaper in the funding and the perps. Um, but I, I, I think in general, the like if you use the DeFi platforms to borrow sta stables, those especially when they're floating rate um, uh, borrows, th those uh, floating rates will trend a decent amount upwards and sort of be in line with um, funding. So if there's demand for uh, for people to long, then like the the, the borrow rates of stable coins will increase on, on DeFi if like all the centralized exchanges, the, the funding rates are quite high and then like vice versa too. Like, I think we saw that today where the, um, where like a lot of the funding on the exchanges were reset. And then if you look at like the, the big borrow lend platforms, it's a lot cheaper now to borrow stables than it was a few days ago. Yeah. And that's, I guess that is just from people there's, there's literally just people sitting and moving this money back and forth. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What what do you think is um so moving to I guess we can touch on the Bitcoin stuff as well in in a little bit but just focus on this DeFi yield aspect like what do you think about newer chains right now do you think there's any yield there or is it still being developed like the the ecosystems like on these new L ones basically um are we getting into our predictions for 2024 now we we can yeah Why so. Not? I think one of my predictions is that there'll be multiple new L1s that maybe even haven't launched now that gain like mass adoption. Um, their token gets to maybe, let's say, like 
one billion in in market cap um they, they get like hundreds of millions if not billions of dollars in tvl in DeFi and like on-chain related protocols uh so yeah i i think i think the uh, I guess one of my other predictions, um, this is like going a little bit back to um, what we talked about before, or I guess what I talked about before um, with Ethereum, but I, I think e Ethereum continues to bleed at least for the uh, first part of the year compared to other layer ones um, until maybe like uh, EIP 4844 comes out or there becomes a new like, paradigm changing um, use case for Ethereum, whether it's like a specific layer two or a specific uh, specific protocol. Um, but uh, other than that, it just feels that like all, all these new, um, uh, these new layer ones with in theory, better technology that can process transactions faster, that, that can process transactions cheaply and efficiently um, will gain a decent amount of market share versus Ethereum unless something changes. And um, I guess that goes back to sort of the triangle there where, where one of the sides is, uh, is decentralization, mm -hmm. but uh, does it matter? Do you think people will care or is it just throughput uh, that matters for DeFi? I think people will care to some degree, um, but not to the degree where Ethereum will really be competitive. Um, just because it, it like, I feel like decentralization isn't on like a, a binary scale. Um, whereas like a lot of the, the layer ones that have a, um, have high, higher throughput, lower fees, they, um, are becoming more decentralized. Um, we talk about like Solana and stuff like that. Like, I feel like Solana is quite a bit more decentralized than it was like a year or two years ago. Um, there's more people running validators. There's quite a few, uh, different liquid staking, um, derivatives where uh, people can uh, basically spin up their their own uh, liquid staking derivative and essentially run their their own validators through like a third party um, that coupled with the fact with like a lot of the liquid staking on ethereum has been concentrated to maybe like one to three major protocols um like we look at how much is staked on Lido. We look, we look at how much is deposited on like something like Eigenlayer. Um, that doesn't necessarily bode well for like the theoretical decentralization of Ethereum compared to other chains. What what do you think about all these um, all these Cosmos chains popping up? There seems to be um, when you when you mentioned then like this billion dollar market cap, it seems there's mm -hmm. been a, a couple the in that range already. Mm -hmm. um do you think they're promising or because because when i've used that stuff it feels kind of different like it, it's yeah. it's a bit different to what i'm used to and when you're trying to test it out it's like a learning curve again do you think, do you think that's a problem do you think like it'll, they'll pick up adoption um over time um i think with cosmos specifically i think it's like a, a pretty interesting test case um i, I think my prediction for cosmos is it, it loses, I'd say maybe it falls out of like the, I, I don't know what it is right now. Is it like top 10 in market cap? Um, but I, I would, I, I would sure. think it falls out of like maybe the top 20 or 30 in market cap. Um, and and that, that's not necessarily like a, a knock on the chain itself. It's just like, it's unclear of 
how the value of what's going on or the, the protocols that are using the Cosmos technology go back to the, the Atom token, um, stuff like uh, Celestia, um, Injective, stuff like that have their own native token. Like if, if they really take off, I feel like the, the value um, that they accrue goes back to their native token rather than like the the atom token so um i i feel like the 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 atom developers or, or like um wh whoever thought of this model didn't really think it all the way through where uh, essentially that their goal should be more to drive value back to their own native token um rather than like the the protocols or the the use cases being built on cosmos um so even if like i i'm pretty bullish on like Cosmos and Cosmos ecosystem related uh, products right now. Um, I, I think they, they do take off, but I, I think like, yeah, a lot of the value goes back to those individual projects and not necessarily like the Cosmos, the, 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 the general Cosmos token. Cool. <clears throat> Maybe let's, let's touch, uh, let's, let's move on to some Bitcoin related stuff. I know you had some thoughts about this, Andreas. Uh, about where where you think things are heading, and I know it was mentioned as well the DeFi stuff on on Bitcoin as well, which was touched upon a little bit ago. But yeah, mm -hmm. Andreas, what are your what are your strong predictions when it comes to Bitcoin in the in twenty twenty four? I mean, I, th I think we should have our a Bitcoin price number January first next year. <laughs> so, what was it? January 1st, 2023. I think it was super low, maybe like Let's check. 15K. Yeah, it was pretty low. Maybe around 20. Okay. Uh, um, oh, wait. Let me just zoom out. Uh, on the first, we were at... Wait. About 15 or 16K between in that, yeah. in oh, that wow. ballpark yeah that's like that's pretty yeah. this is this is very interesting time really does fly so i'm gonna say i don't i don't want to be i don't want to be pessimistic but it's but it's also nice if my prediction is close mm -hmm. so um i'm gonna be conservative i'm gonna say 80k i think I'll, i think it's quite I, I, I was gonna actually say around there I'll I'll yeah. say I'll say seventy five k. I I think we we barely hit all time highs. Um, mm. I I think the prevailing catalyst is the 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 push to ETF. Um, I, I feel like the ETF is very likely in the next year. Unlike um our our friend from Matrixport or what he thinks. Um, and I feel like it's not going to be a, a a sell the the news event. Just because, like, logistically speaking, so so the bull case for the ETF is like you have the spot ETF, and then you have like hundreds of thousands of, of people or entities or whatever that will have access to be able to buy Bitcoin that previously didn't have it before. Whether it's like the, the technological hurdles or like the the the, the, the KYC AML situation. Um, and I feel like that takes a bit of time to develop. Like at the point where uh, the BTC ETF um, gets approved. It doesn't mean that there's like going to be like like a hundred billion dollars pumped in that day in Bitcoin, but it's going to be a slow process for people to like to either dollar cost average or or 
if you're like, for example, running a family office or a large fund to, to get approval, to figure out allocations and to slowly put uh, money in. So I, I think it's more of like a, a slower long-term catalyst that basically opens up another market for people to be able to, to buy Bitcoin, which in theory will push up the price. Blake? I think, I think I'm going higher than that. I think, I think a two, more than a 2x from here. I, I like the, I, the sound of that. I, I don't know. We just saw some like crazy moves like in the last few months where uh -huh. the price just shot up like 5k a day. So I would say, I would say I'm hoping we go north of 100 <laughs> this year. Nice. I, I think um, so, like a few negative catalysts, um, I think, are likely to happen. Um, the first being the the release of the Mt. Gox coins. I, I feel mm. like that will happen at least to some degree in the next year. Um, like I think we've already saw, seen some um, repayments being made, but they're made on PayPal, I believe. <laughs> I twice. Know. Yeah, I did see that. I, I some of them, really some of them also made twice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't exactly understand how that works, but like it's clear that like we're at the the point where like those coins are going to be released, and um, I I think at some point if the price continues to go up, um, like uh, Michael Saylor is eventually going to have to unwind his Bitcoin mm. position. So so basically what he's doing is he's like taking a bunch of debt and then just like leveraging up by buying buying Bitcoin. So like his strategy is either to take debt or to sell more shares and then like the, the 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 shares pump in price when the price of bitcoin pumps but then he uses that to, to leverage more in bitcoin but like his if he's he's not exactly dollar class averaging in he's just like sort of just randomly buying bitcoin um but at, at some point like a lot of that debt needs to be repaid and he needs to take profit at some point and, and now he i, I don't know he, he has like one two percent of the the circulating supply of bitcoin uh, eventually that will at least portions of that will need to be sold so i feel like there are some uh negative catalysts that may suppress the the price of bitcoin even if you, ETF um, gets approved one, one surprise one thing i'm a bit surprised of is why has why has nobody tried to copy what michael saylor is doing or maybe they i mean people have personally for sure there's yeah. a lot of people doing that yeah. but but this model of where you're uh, where you have a company that can take on corporate debt and like sell yeah. shares and it's mm -hmm. got a value. So that is the collateral. And, and you do this kind of, you do this kind of uh, looping that everybody in DeFi knows how to do, but in a yeah. very corporate way. <laughs> um, have you seen that? It, it's, I, I mean, it's definitely quite risky because like it's easy to say that that he's he's doing well when the bitcoin price is above his like average entry price but uh if he's doing this and bitcoin is like constantly dumping which happened to him for for quite some time right like he was he was buying up bitcoin through the last bull run and then we saw like a minus 70 minus 80 percent corrections somewhere around there and like a lot of his buys were underwater and he was in like pretty big trouble at that point uh so it's definitely risky and then you also need to have like a very large publicly traded company where like um your your shares uh, i feel like a lot of those companies are you know actually like building something or doing something and <laughs> don't really have like that their that their mandate isn't really to to leverage loop on bitcoin and, and abandon their core right. business so like mm. what about the yahoo maybe 
<laughs> yeah, like the yeah, possibly. <laughs> I guess um, I guess what what does what does a micro strategy office look like? I'm very intrigued like what goes on there because surely it must be like the weirdest work environment in the world. Like you're not really supposed to do anything. You just stare at a Bitcoin price all day and be like, oh cool, like we're making money, guys. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I I have no idea. Like, I don't I, I'm, I'm, not I'm sure gonna assume goes on there. I'm gonna assume. I mean, I. I as far as I know, they still have some kind of yeah. a product that is the MicroStrategy product. But in mm-hmm. in all seriousness, I would guess it's a bunch of guys sitting there calling people to try to get them to buy shares <laughs> and to give them and to give them affordable bets. Yeah, I mean that is that is the that yeah, must the, be the their, business. The strategy is basically just to see if they can scale it even more by like increasing the share price, selling more shares, or issuing more debt using that debt to buy Bitcoin and hoping that Bitcoin price will, will pump. But eventually I feel like they're going to need to unwind their position in, in some way in order to like, I, I guess it depends on how degenerate Sailor like really is. Maybe, maybe he really believes and will never unwind anything. And just like if, if Bitcoin crashes, then like he'll go to zero or whatever. But I, I feel like he needs to, he needs to be, um, he he has like a financial responsibility to, to do do well for a shareholder. So like I feel like that means he yeah. he has a financial responsibility to sell his Bitcoin or, at some point. Or or does that mean you can never sell because uh because he's such a central figure that even 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 announcing that you're gonna unwind something yeah. will will basically uh reduce the value of the company by more yeah. than that event would have would have brought you in, right? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, if he's announcing that, like, like MicroStrategy is selling instead of buying, that that that's going to cause like quite a bit of a a sell off in the market, which re- reduces their spot holdings by a lot, but then also will reduce their share price by a lot. So yeah, it's it's a tricky situation to be in. Hmm. But what if you it's, what um, if you find someone better though to buy it? Like, he announces that he's selling like twenty percent of their holdings to like the Saudis or something. Like we need uh, ah, some sort of catalyst like that, you know. This yeah, is yeah. that is that is that is actually really good. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, Jamo. It's sort of like the the Shiba Inu situation, if you remember, that mm. there was one guy who just owned so much Shiba Inu, mm-hmm. and he had bought it for nothing. You could see it on Uniswap or something, but yeah. the problem is like this guy cannot sell, yeah, because it's all it's all on DeFi. Everybody's monitoring his wallet. Yeah. So you just sat there, and you just you just really can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it's a tough situation, and it becomes even even tougher. It seems like MicroStrategy is continuing to accumulate Bitcoin, right? So, like the the bigger their position is, like the 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 the, the bigger the focus is on what they're doing with their Bitcoin. Like I would say a few years ago, like. Michael Saylor was, I mean, like sort of a, like a new player in the space, right? I mean, his position wasn't as huge relative, but he's accumulated quite a bit now to a point where like even them selling like like five to 10% chunks of their holdings will cause like a massive market move down. Yeah. Let's, um, let's discuss, I know you mentioned this earlier, Jamie, the DeFi thing and, and what's going on on Bitcoin as well while we're on the topic. Mm-hmm. So like last in the last couple of years, there's not been a bunch going on, but it seems like last mm-hmm. year things started murmuring a little bit and there yeah. seems to be a little bit more action growing there. So, so what, what are your predictions when it comes to uh, DeFi on Bitcoin? 
Um, I, I think, well, I feel like now DeFi and Bitcoin is like pretty non-existent. Um, mm. I think that changes quite a bit. I think it takes off with stuff like, um, like stacks with, um, our buddy Paul Stork's uh, uh, drive chain once that comes out. Um, I, I think that like the whole ordinals movement sort of fizzles out a bit, at least like it, it doesn't, maybe not fizzles out, but it, it doesn't like continue to grow and people continue to pay like these massive inscription fees um i i think that dies down a bit but th those uh th those fees going to the bitcoin market or to, to to bitcoin uh go to more uh DeFi protocols so instead of like people paying for inscriptions or people paying to, to mint ordinals and stuff like that they are paying um the the miners through using DeFi on bitcoin which i i would say is like a would be like a pretty big change or, or a pretty good change uh for bitcoin it just seems like like activity like that is far more sustainable um than people just minting nfts and slapping them back and forth without like any real utility to the end user on uh, <clears throat> so uh, bitcoin and DeFi, uh i have it in my predictions also that we're gonna see several new bitcoin l2s Mm -hmm. uh and uh and also probably forks and mm -hmm. i don't mean like bitcoin candy but we'll um maybe we'll see forks of the code or the code with the coins that will have uh i guess DeFi capabilities built in mm -hmm. maybe like a marketplace and a, and a and a poker thing built in to the bitcoin yeah. client that's a very old reference for anybody in Bitcoin <laughs> that the original Bitcoin client, I believe did had some yeah. have a marketplace and a, and a poker or something, mm -hmm. or like the, it, it was at least aiming for that. No, uh, so I, I, I think, I think we'll see new uh, Bitcoin L2s, if we can call it that and forks. Uh -huh. uh, <clears throat> and I think like all other L2s and forks, the founders of these things or their investors will come to realize that the best way to make money is to make uh, a token. Mm -hmm. And this will cause enormous outrage. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to suspect that Udi and Eric will be involved in, in at least some of these projects. Yeah, the, I feel like this sort of goes back to the um, I mean, like the history of Bitcoin is is basically like the Bitcoin core developers hating everything, and then like people like Luke Dash just like complaining about everything. I I feel like that will continue a bit, where if if Bitcoin gets to a point where, um, I mean, and now they're attempting to to censor ordinals and, and stuff like that. Um, they're possibly, I don't know exactly what uh, Bitcoin DeFi will look like. But if if someone like Luke thinks that um, DeFi on Bitcoin is like network spam the same way Ordinals is and attempts to censor it, I, I feel like that there might be like, and maybe not necessarily like a fork of Bitcoin, but like like a split between like these two ideologies, and like that that will lead to like more tokens, more 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 side chains and stuff like that, and like that was maybe like another war where like the core devs are attempting to preserve like the the initial state of the Bitcoin chain where like the new innovations are attempting to use the Bitcoin chain to, to do whatever they want with it. On these um, L2s and all that, what, um, 
Is is there is anything being built now? Uh, also, my prediction is Lightning will not work, and these L2s will not be built on Lightning. Yeah, I I I, I think I think um, I I think like the the Lightning narrative has sort of played itself out. I mean, like Lightning's been around for what like five years, six years now. Probably, I think more. Yeah, maybe even more than like the 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 like the the use the the transactions like not only are they almost non-existent but they like aren't increasing in any meaningful way um so yeah i i feel like uh, i i feel like that sort of fizzles out or if it's not like completely dead already um mm -hmm. i i know stacks recently has been gaining like quite a bit of traction like the the token price is up the um I feel like that they might um, incubate some like decent protocols for people to um, to use on Bitcoin chain. Um, one thing I'm curious about is how like uh, the standard of bridging will work um, in terms of you know various assets if you can bridge them to like a, a Bitcoin sidechain um, from like an EVM or like a Solana virtual machine or where, wherever the liquidity is. I wonder like how that standard will, will be built out and if there'll be any issues. Like I know we talked about in the past that like the, the, the biggest hacks are, are on bridges, right? And this is essentially new technology, right? Like we're, we, we're, we're right now we're mostly bridging like EVM to EVM, but uh, it seems like a pretty big technological hurdle to start bridging from an EVM to, you know, like a Bitcoin sidechain and having like the assets hold one-to-one -one and not be exploited anyway. So um, to, to a point where that might get like built out and used quite a bit. Um, and another thing we talked about before is like, if the future is truly multi-chain, um, there's going to be cool stuff you can do on like multiple chains. So like if, if you want to execute a transaction or you want to execute a borrow using collateral on one chain or like an, an asset on one chain to trade on another chain, I don't see why that wouldn't happen with like uh, Bitcoin or Bitcoin side chains if, if the, the new technology would support that. So I, I think the future is pretty interesting. Obviously, we're still early in that. And like, I don't know at what point like all that would take place. I, I would say if it happens this year, it's going to be like in the later part of this year. Like I, I don't see um, all, all these primitives being built out in the next, you know, like three to six months and gaining like, let's say a billion dollars worth of like uh, TVL. Um, but I eventually think that they will uh, happen and it'll be good for Bitcoin as a whole. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I have it on my predictions notes here that... Um... There's uh, there's going to be cross-chain. I mean, like you said, this may not happen uh, that quickly, but mm -hmm. that there's going to be cross-chain liquidity. Uh, and I believe initially between all EVMs, maybe uh, they managed to get Solana in there, mm -hmm. which means, yeah, which means you can use collateral or one chain or you can... Mm -hmm. um, Maybe, maybe you can even somehow like provide liquidity on multiple chains at the same time. I'm not sure. There's a, yeah. This is difficult stuff, but I'm. We talked about this before. It is technically possible, and it will be done because this, this TVL uh, liquidity leakage, uh -huh. where, where it's being too spread out, will dissolve itself. Right. It's just beneficial to everyone. But I. Uh, I did not consider that it will include Bitcoin. 
But mm. now that you mention it, I think that's natural. There was um there was actually a bridge that that launched the other day, right, between uh, BRC twenties and Solana. Someone mm -hmm. launched that. Um, I saw like the one of the Solana co-founders tweeting about it. Um, mm. I'm not sure if it's actually functional yet. I, th I think it is. But well, one of, one of my predictions was that um, like Solana and Solana EVM will gain users at a much higher rate than other EVM, like uh, Ethereum-based EVM, or, or uh, 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 the Solana virtual machine would gain users uh, much quicker um, than than EVM chains, um, and. I think it's a general push towards uh, like parallel computing versus like the current state of what Ethereum is doing. Um, Ethereum and like other EVMs are like going to be fairly limited. Um, a lot of the layer twos are essentially like same the same or similar technology. Um, I, I feel like they become redundant in a way where like yeah, it's cool. We have Arbitrum, we have Optimism. We're going to have stuff like Blast, Darknet, zk sync, stuff like that. Um, but it's not clear if they can all coexist and fight for the same market share where they're technically inferior to the, the new layer ones um, then, th th that are popping up. Then I'm going to add to my prediction, which is there will be not one, but multiple uh, EVMs uh, that allow for transactions to be validated in parallel. Mm -hmm. And that will happen by just a small modification to the... Um, to the transaction format where you somehow declare, like you say upfront what accounts you're going to interact with mm -hmm. and it's going to be sharded automatically. So mm. somebody's going to start working on that. I think multiple teams. So maybe we'll start seeing some, somehow some parallel execution, not on Ethereum itself. That would take. Uh, are would are take you like saying like, um, like a, an additional L1 that's going to do this? Or are you saying like Ethereum L2s that will have this capability? Uh, both. Oh, you I think guess start, I, starting with an L1, I'm going to say, Emin, if you're out there, I know you're working on this. If you're not, <laughs> you need yeah. to get starting working on this because you can, ha you can have parallel execution. You just need to know uh, which, uh, which part of the blockchain is, mm -hmm. which accounts are going to be modified by, by the transaction. Yeah. Because then you make sure to not run transactions in parallel that uh -huh. uh, change the same part of the state. So this is doable. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of people much smarter than me working on it. But, mm -hmm. uh, and my other pushback is um, that Solidity is its very, very easy language to program. And we have so much tested, battle-tested code for EVM mm -hmm. uh, that is working with huge amounts of TVL. And I, th I think on Solana... Um, if you just talk about Rust, it is much tougher to write. And the the amount of like foot guns, as we say in programming, like stuff that is very easy to do by accident, mm -hmm. where you cause bugs, where you can lose money, it seem to be a lot of them still. So um, so I think, I I feel think like, we're I feel like... see a lot of action on EVMs and Solidity. I feel like that that's not necessarily um, a huge problem it, just because like Solana and uh, other L1s are, are much earlier in their life cycle. Like what, Ethereum's yeah. been around since like 2015. People have been writing Solidity code for Ethereum since then. Like Solana 
maybe like 2019, 2020, that there weren't like major dApps being developed until like around then. Um, yeah, it, it's, I, I feel like it, it is an issue, but as more people use Solana, like if, if so Solana, if like my, my prediction that like uh, Solana, so Solana a virtual machine will bring or onboard quite a few more users than, than EVM chains, then that there's going to be more incentive for developers to you know get better at rest to develop on solana and that sort of slow slowly long term flushes out the the bugs i, I mean like mm-hmm. I, I imagine that there's going to be like a phase where there are exploits the, the same with ethereum the, the, there are exploits and there there are like bugs and encoding issues but like as more people develop and more people use it um it, it'll obviously go through a drop, rough patches but in the long term, like the, the technology will improve, like the code will improve, the safety and security of like um, all DeFi, all assets, all NFTs, whatever you want to use uh, Solana and similar um, L1s for, will, will all improve to a point where it, it may be like pretty competitive to, to what uh, Ethereum and Solidity do today. Yeah, I, um, I do hope so because... Um... Rust, the programming language, is much nicer to look at um, than than Solidity, and um, there's just some quirks. There's some quirks from when Ethereum was invented mm-hmm. that make it inefficient, and it's a bit hard to work around. So um, I can see that. Maybe maybe um, I need to get back into coding Rust in uh, <laughs> yeah uh, this year. Is that a prediction? You're going to start uh, with Solidity <laughs> I mean, and I, the I, Rust? I, I already know how to program Rust, but I haven't written that much for uh, Solana. Yeah, that, that's fair. What um, what other predictions do you guys have? Anything else you got written down that's uh, strong? <laughs> a strong prediction yeah. that you want to get across? I I, I have a few. Um, uh, one of them is that uh, bridging from chain to chain will be consolidated into um maybe a few protocols outside of native bridges um to a point where like a lot of the 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 major bridging solutions we have right now will be obsolete will lose like a huge percentage of their market share like i i feel like bridging is one of the biggest issues for um what what we want to do today if we really see like a a multi-chain uh future especially if we want to do um cool things uh cross-chain and and especially if like not all these chains are EVM compatible, um, j- just just having like um, an industry standard for like how bridges work and how we can bridge securely without exploits or w- without hacks. Um, once that gets solved, I'd say it's like a winner take most uh, situation, which where like if the solution presents itself and becomes a new standard for bridging like maybe 90% of the 95% of the market share goes to that. And then outside of just like the, the native bridges um, for each chain or each L2, um, the, the, the current uh, major players and bridges that don't innovate to that sp- uh, specific standard or specific technology um, sort of like fizzle out and die. Um, I, I think this eventually happens just because like there needs to be something done about like the risks and bridging, like the biggest hacks. I think like the orbit bridge, we talk about hacks in, in DeFi, they're all, almost all of the big ones are through bridging. Um, like 
the, 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 the first hack of 2024 was a few days ago, like the orbit bridge was hacked for like 80 million. Um, yeah, I feel like, I feel like at some point the industry is going to figure out a sort of like safe and effective bridging standard and like the protocol that develops that, um, will gain a majority of the market share. And, um, I, I would certainly hope so. And, and I hope that in includes, uh, includes Bitcoin as well somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we've had, um, yeah, we've had, uh, Brian Pellegrino on the show, I guess, Blake, mm -hmm. you can link to that episode mm -hmm. because we talked about it then bridging, bridging is just sending a message from one chain to another. The fact that the message is an, is an asset transfer. It's just one use case. So if mm -hmm. somebody, if somebody makes a way to securely send a message from one chain mm -hmm. to another, like layer zero does on many AVMs, then, uh, loads of people can build bridges on top of that. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I'm, I'm really hoping layer zero will come out with Stargate version two, which is their bridge, which would mm -hmm. use a lot less gas because there's a bit of a gas issue with Stargate version one. Yeah. And I really, really, really do hope, uh, I, I know they've been working on Solana. I haven't heard any news, which mm -hmm. is a bit disappointing. I'm sure it's very difficult. And, and I really do hope they will, uh, they will work on Bitcoin or a company like them. Make it, mm -hmm. make a standard, make something open that people can, yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah. E even if it's like a standard that can be like easily white labeled. Um, so there can be like multiple companies that are using the same technology. Um, as long as there's an industry standard that like everyone understands is like safe and effective for bridging. Um, I, I think that's a huge step that makes like not only crypto, but DeFi, uh, like it, it builds a legitimacy for like quite a few other chains. Um, like the, the new L1s that, that pop up that like aren't using EVM that they're, that they're using their, their own technology. Um, it, it, like the barrier to entry might be pretty difficult if you, you need to use a new wallet, you, you need to understand like how transactions work, how, how, how gas works on those chains. Um, the difficulty of moving assets back and forth from those chains, especially if centralized exchanges, uh, don't support them. Um, I, I feel like that barrier, um, needs to be solved in some way. And there's quite a bit of money at the top where if someone solves that, they'll, they'll have a huge percentage of the pie. Um, mm. So the, the incentives are there, uh, the demand is there. I just like the execution is the only thing that needs to happen. Um, okay. yeah, one of my I other prediction. predictions, sorry, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Justin's son will be free and safe and, and <laughs> moisturized and, and happy <laughs> and content. Thriving. And, do, and doing better than ever. He'll be thriving. Nothing yeah. bad will happen to Justin's son this year. And also doing YouTube shorts. He's getting really into those, right? They're pretty, pretty great. Is, is he, <laughs> is he using like, like a voice synthesizer or something for his shorts? I don't because know. Like, I, I, I remember. I mean, he's, he's definitely using a PR firm, but I don't know if they're using a voice synthesizer. I, I, I remember his English was pretty bad at one point, And now he's like speaking like perfect, like Western English in, yeah. in these shorts. Uh, so maybe, maybe he's just like a genius and learning how to get rid of his Chinese accent. Well, but it sounds he like he's using some like AI generated voice or something. It's, it sounds like it could be, but um, it, it, something doesn't seem right with it. It seems like it's been touched up when you when you hear the yeah. audio, but I, I don't know. Maybe he's uh -huh. just got like a native English speaker walking around with him all day. I don't know. Uh -huh. 
probably got an army okay, of them. Okay, demo, next one. Uh, yeah, continuing on predictions, um, I have a few more. Um, one of them being the RWA narrative, like, sees a bit of pushback and fizzles out quite a bit. Um, I, I think, like, my concerns are that a, a lot of the, the assets that you want to bring on chain, like, whether it's, like, U.S. Treasury bonds, whether it's debt, whether, whether it's, like, um, stocks and stuff like that, there's going to be quite a bit of legal um restrictions especially like it, uh, if it takes off like like if i envision a future where there's like a billion dollars of u.s treasuries being traded back and forth on chain like i can't think that like the the u.s isn't going to do anything about that and just like allow that to happen right like they're they're pretty protective of their currency of their bonds and stuff like that um I, uh... so I yeah, thought, I, I thought it was a thing. I thought it was a thing where, where you would just want people to hold that regardless of who you are, because it's that it's your debt. Yeah, that 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 may be true, but like for the the, the reselling of these assets and for the trading of these assets, I, I feel like that's going to be regulated in some way. Oh, mm -hmm. also, if if you think about it this way. If if like if if the assets are traded back on forth on chain without KYC, yeah, um, like we, we talk about like in the past episode, like Binance gotten a lot of shit because they were facilitating like um, uh, accounts for say terrorist organizations or something like that. Like I, I feel like the the U.S. government might not be happy if suddenly like Hamas owns like a certain percentage of, of us debt and so it's like buying it on chain. I, I feel like that might lead to some issues, but, but it, it's not necessarily limited to, to um, like us treasuries. I'm just thinking like a large cap, like um, S and P yeah. 500 stocks and stuff like that. Like th those yeah, different uh, being traded back and forth. Like it, I, I know you need, need like a brokerage license in order to, to trade them in the U S so uh, by allowing people to trade them back and forth on chain and stuff like that, sort of foregoes that which i don't think like um the regulators will be happy with so i, I feel like at some point there's going to be a regulatory push against real world assets uh to a point where it becomes increasingly difficult for the companies that are specializing in bringing these rwas to chain um the, the, they'll, they'll have some issues in the future where it, the, the, they may have to shut down or like it won't be as lucrative that they may have to jump through these like legal hurdles, pay a bunch for legal, and the, the upside uh, will die down a bit. And then I think in general, the whole narrative, the demand for them will sort of fizzle out from what we see today, which is like a, a lot of at least hype for them to come to chain right now. Hmm. Yeah, keep going. Uh, let's see what else I have. Are, are you guys out of predictions or? Um, I me look at my list i'm, I'm gonna say that mount gox will not pay out the bitcoin this year oh wow well i, I i'm predicting that they will in the next year <laughs> I, I, I think i i think it I, I think we see some closure but i think that's an interesting one um so one, one other one i have is uh dex volumes um mm. will gain gain quite a bit versus the centralized exchange volumes uh, I, I think like the the dexes that we have now or that are being developed um, are getting refined 
quite rapidly in a way where you can eventually be able to do essentially whatever you want on a DEX. And it'll be like a very similar, if not the same, uh, user experience, uh, safety and security. And then also there definitely is like a certain percentage of the market that are willing to pay some sort of premium to not have to interact with the central entity in order to trade. So like uh, stuff like GMX, DYDX, like J Jupiter on, on Solana, um, anything that's like building new um, trading primitives, whether it's like perpetuals, leverage, like options, uh, trading synthetic assets and stuff like that, that, that add, add uh, new use cases. And, and also, I, I think that like a lot of these DEXs are either being built on like Ethereum layer twos that have like a higher throughput or like alternate layer ones. Um, so like for, for the more sophisticated trader that, that cares about stuff like latency um, and they, they don't essentially, essentially they wouldn't enjoy the, the DEX experience on in an Ethereum base layer. Um, they'll have far more options where they may move a lot of their volume from say something like Binance to, to something like a, 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 a modified version of Cosmos or like um, like a, a Solana DEX. And I, I feel like maybe centralized exchanges will hold their um, hold their market share in terms of volume. But if there's like a like a pretty big bull run where volumes go up quite a bit, um, the the majority of those volumes and the fees paid will go to on-chain products rather than um, centralized exchanges. I think that's um, I I completely agree with the prediction, and it's it's really nice because um, if you think about it, when you're using a centralized exchange, and you go to the form to withdraw your money. You always, when you click the button, you always know there's a chance mm -hmm. that it's going to be like, oh, we um, we need to refill the hot wallet, or yeah, uh, you have some kind of a limit you didn't know about. We got to ask you some questions. There's like something going on. You always have this thought, no mm -hmm. matter how long you've had your account on all these exchanges. Mm -hmm. um, it's just the way it is. Uh, but when I use these uh, the dexes, even like the perp dexes. I don't actually know how decentralized they are or not, but mm -hmm. I feel much better clicking the withdraw button on these DEXs <laughs> than I do on a centralized one. And I think yeah. that's a huge deal because everybody feels like this. Yeah. And that would be great, I guess. I mean, at some point, at some point, we will move into a world where you just have stable coin issuers who can take a wire transfer Mm -hmm. And then that's it. Yeah. I mean, it could take a long time, but it's very positive. What's yeah, I, I think I think if you think about it, it's the, the entire point. Like, if you think about what we're all doing here, it's like the entire point of the, the future of crypto is to be able to do as many things as you possibly can in a decentralized way, where it's like trading assets back and forth, like um, trading perpetuals back and forth. Uh, being able to, to use margin on like these markets. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like that, that's the entire purpose of, of crypto and what we're building towards. And like the technology mm -hmm. will only get better from, from here. Like if, if we look at like the first decks that came out in like what, 2016 or something like that, like that, that that's only like six, seven years ago. It's it, look, look how far we've come. And then like, yeah, it's amazing. I feel like, 
I feel like the technology moves in like a, a logarithmic way, whereas if there's more demand for it, there's more funding for it. Like people are going to build up this technology like in a, at a much quicker rate. So like the, the your average decks in like 2000 at the end of 2024 might be you know like a completely different user experience than than what we have right now. At the like you said at the current rate. They are innovating so fast on the DEXs, and especially the prep DEXs. I don't use any option stuff. They're mm -hmm. innovating so fast. It's, I mean, they will surpass the user experience of Binance this year. The user mm -hmm. experience of Kraken has been surpassed uh, <laughs> a couple of years ago. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, what has Binance been adding lately? I mean, there's like, I mean, yeah, it's a prep it, DEX, exactly. they have cross margin, all this stuff, and they've added yeah. like T-Wapping. Dude, mm -hmm. these DEXs can make T-Wap functionality in like a weekend. Yeah, and I, I I feel like um the the point there is I feel like there's definitely an upper limit for the centralized exchanges, like how much they can really innovate. Like if you're running a centralized exchange, you can only do so much. I mean, you can add some cool features and stuff like that. But but I, I feel like they've been around for like about a decade, and and they've integrated like all they can integrate. Like there's definitely someone at Binance or like a team at Binance. They're just like. How how can we add features to our exchange to to improve the user experience? And this has been going on for years and years and years. So so eventually, I feel like they're going to run out of like good ideas and start just you know adding stuff just because they have to or just just because they can. Whereas like on Dexes, um, I I feel like we're we're sort of in its infancy. I mean like we've had Dexes for a while, but like a lot of the Dexes that like are really good technology right now have haven't been around for that much time and they have like a decent amount of um room to grow how long until uh yeah. until a binance listing doesn't <laughs> doesn't mean anything anymore do you remember when coinbase listings uh, yeah. stopped mat mattering so much that was like a thing for a while yeah when yeah when will that I, I i i feel like i feel like that's a pretty good prediction that like centralized exchange listings will will matter less and less for price yeah. um like I mean, it's it's true for the past like five years. It's become like less and less important. Like, uh, if you look at like the the assets being listed on like the major exchanges and like the the pump because of the listing, they've they've gone down quite a bit over time. Where, like in two thousand seventeen, if if you got listed on Binance and you were some like obscure shit coin, you, your coin was going up like a thousand percent no matter what. <laughs> Whereas now it's it's not necessarily the case. Um, I, I guess also the 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 listing procedure is a bit more refined now now that we understand like what tokens and digital assets are like a lot of exchanges aren't just listing complete garbage just because they have like some volume although i mean a, a lot of the meme coins now are being listed on major exchanges so that that might not be completely true um but yeah i, I feel like once liquidity moves to dexes like the the whole we got listed on a centralized exchange therefore like our token is more valuable um thing sort of dies away a bit i have a i have one more prediction actually um the my my, my final prediction is that stablecoin volumes on ethereum drop out of the top five in 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 total transactions next year in terms of like total transactions versus like uh, other chains uh, I think uh, like the general thesis, like now, I think it's like second or third, um, either Tron or Solana is higher uh, based on the, the given day. But I, I just feel like 
the, there's a group of people that aren't using decentralized finance that are essentially using blockchain as a method to transact uh, dollars back and forth that need like the mo the cheapest and most efficient way. Um, and a, a lot of these, like um, we talk about like uh, the, these parallel computational chains, like the, the ones that are higher throughput, the ones that, that you essentially pay little to no gas to do these transactions. At some point, it's not gonna make sense. Like even today where gas is low, um, you're still paying like four to five dollars to make a transaction, which is like okay if you're making like a hundred thousand dollar transaction. But if people want to start transacting like like a few dollars on chain using stable coins, like if if I want to buy a coffee, um, I know it's an old meme. Like eventually you'll be able to buy coffee with your Bitcoin, but in in theory it's, it's a, a use case to be able to have a stable coin wallet and just like go to a shop and like buy a coffee. It, it's not. It's not pragmatic right now on Ethereum, and even um, even a majority of the Ethereum layer twos, it's not pragmatic. And, and even if like uh, Ethereum uh, improvement protocol of forty eight forty four comes out, like I still think after that, like the Ethereum based layer won't be pragmatic to, to send these like smaller transactions. So uh, eventually, like eventually, other chains will see the demand for that and capture that market share to a point where the, the only major stablecoin only transactions that happen on ethereum are either like deck swap uh, deck swaps or like these large you know institutional grade like six seven figure transactions and everything else um will be on other chains i think um, if if that's all the predictions i think that's really good i mean if you if you think about I mean, we didn't, uh, I was going to ask what you think is going to happen with Aptos, Sui, Linnea, like all of these, um, mm -hmm. all of these Solana killers. Yeah. But maybe it's I, like I, even if I had to make a prediction there, I, I would say like at least a few of them would gain like uh, a pretty big market cap. Like uh, I, I talked about earlier about how like two new L1s would get a billion dollar market cap I, I i think i don't know the market cap of all those right now but but i'd say out of like the basket of like like linnea sui aptos like monad uh say network um at least one or two of those will 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 gain like a billion dollar market cap as well well i mean in that case you should just go ahead and, and buy all of these shit coins because <laughs> not because Sui's like 75 on market cap so yeah um Okay, that's interesting. No, I was just going to say these are very positive predictions. I like that. Like mm -hmm. everybody guesses that Bitcoin will go up in value mm -hmm. and we'll have more functionality, uh, more DeFi, yeah. less TardFi assets on chain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel yeah, like maybe the predictions are a bit like too hopeful or optimistic I and mean, like ho hopefully it's not stuff we want to see but stuff that actually happens um hmm. so for, for the the listeners of this i guess take our predictions with a grain of salt <laughs> no, no one's promising all-time highs in bitcoin at the end of the year <laughs> <laughs> i am <laughs> if, if we don't hit an all-time high you can uh, send the invoice to andreas yeah so he'll yeah. cover the difference your liquidations yeah just send me send me your binance <laughs> bill <laughs> Or, or send me your rabbit X bill. I don't know what the future <laughs> the future holds. Cool. Let's call it over there. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thank Bye. you.